gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We give you praise with much thanksgiving. We thank you for every family that's represented here. We thank you that there is a good plan for every family. We thank, that you, thank you that you have already assigned purpose and destiny and victory to our names. And so we thank you for the courage to walk out what you've already given to us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of him, we are redeemed and restored, and we are in right standing with you. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have the right to call you Father and come boldly to the throne of grace. We thank you that because of the Holy Spirit, we have instruction on how we should live. We thank you that because of the written word, we know what we should do and not do. We thank you that you have not left us in this world without hope and without instruction. And so we thank you that we are teachable and that we hear the word to do the word to be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Pastor Edwin started teaching this series. He's teaching about manifestation. And um, he's talking about how to get manifestation. How many of you want to get manifestation? I know you want to go to get manifestation because you go to the gym one day and mad because you didn't lose five pounds. Everybody want manifestation. Like literally you ate bad for 21 months and now you worked out for three days and you want to know why you didn't lose seven pounds. Everybody wants manifestation. Tell your neighbor, say, everybody wants manifestation. And so there is a process to getting manifestation. It is so funny. So Pastor Edwin, last week, he came and he started teaching the series. He started teaching about faith. He's going to come back and teach about trust, but he asked me to teach about obedience. And I was laughing. I was like, why would he want me to teach about obedience? Because anybody who knows me knows that obedience really, really matters to me. Obedience really, really, really matters to me. And so I was thinking about, well, why does obedience really matter to me? Um, and it was really comes down to two reasons. Obedience matters to me because I love God and I love myself. And I was thinking about this, that fundamentally I believe that people who call themselves Christians who don't practice obedience don't actually love themselves. I don't doubt that you love God. I don't think you love yourself. Because, like, God is smart and God is great and God is amazing and God is wonderful and God knows way more than you know, but you keep doing your own thing. I don't think you don't love God. I think you don't love you. In fact, I think disobedient people have low self-esteem. You couldn't value yourself very much at all to be like, I, I'm not talking about non-believers. Because I don't expect non-believers to do anything that God said. But I'm like, you're a believer and God says go left and you go right. You don't like yourself very much. So I wanted to talk to you about it, and I'm going to tell you a couple of stories just about some things about my life, what I've learned about obedience, how important it is. Nobody's going to make you obey God. But I want you to understand that from the very, very beginning, the challenge between man and God has been over whether man was going to obey God or not. In the garden, God puts God, Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, hey, all of this is yours. It is beautiful. It is lush. It is amazing. And it's all yours except this one tree right here. All of this is yours except this one tree right here. And what they do? The one tree. The one tree. All of this is yours. <laughs> Don't touch the. And what they touch. And so what is in your flesh and what's in my flesh is the desire to always touch the one tree. It's the desire to always touch the very thing that God told you not to touch. He'll be like, you can have all of this right here, but don't touch this one tree. We like, hmm. (laughs) 
Anybody got kids who has ever seen it? Anybody who married the pastor Edwin has seen it? No, for real, I'll say, listen, truth, I'll say, don't touch me. Because he'll be picking with me, I'll say, don't touch me. He like, what'd he do? Right there. No, no, stand up so they can see. Stand up. What'd he do? Right there. Because it's in our nature to disobey God. It's in your nature to disobey God. Why am I telling you this? Because if you don't understand that it's in your nature to disobey God, you'll think that because you're a good person, you're doing all right. But Jesus, it was good people before Jesus. He still had to come and die. Because he had to deal with the thing in our flesh that makes us want to touch the one tree. Want some more examples? You could take a guy or girl. They can't buy a date. Can't buy one. They mess around, start dating somebody, get married. Now, the same people who didn't want them, like, ooh, he kind of cute. He only cued down because he the one thing you're not supposed to be touching. He looked the same. Drive the same car. He wear the same clothes. Ain't nothing changed except now he belonged to somebody. And because he belonged to somebody, you won't. Like literally almost if you're a good parent, you learn that part of being a good parent. I'm not really good at this. Pastor Elwin is much better at this than I am. But Really, to be, if you really want to be a good parent, you almost have to tell your kids not to do, to do the thing you don't want them to do. You got to reverse psychology in them. If your kids bring home somebody you don't want them to date, you got to be like, oh, my God, they're amazing. Let's pick out China. I see you with them. You guys are going to have a great destiny in the future. Oh, my God. And then they're like, I don't even like them. I don't even like them, Mom. Oh, but don't you say. I don't think that's the person for you. The devil is a lie. I bind you. You're coming against my happiness. Don't you dare come against what you don't. I, I hear from God too because everybody. Because everybody wants the one thing. The one thing. Say ouch. ouch. Everybody wants the one thing. And that's why you have to discipline yourself. And the only way to discipline yourself is to be a person who obeys God. Say, I choose to obey God. I choose to obey God. I choose to obey God. Listen, I know some of you, you play being saved all your life. Um, but how many of you have done things right now that if you and your mama was standing before the Lord and the Lord was going to roll that beautiful bean footage that you don't want your mama to know you did that, even though you was in Sunday school and BTU and made your curfew on time. Anybody in here got some stuff? Listen, I am 45 years old. I was thinking about some stuff I did in high school. I said to the Lord the other day, I said, hey, when I get to heaven, I don't want to talk about this in front of my grandmama. You probably want to talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it in front of her. Because the truth of it is, is that if you don't learn to become a person who obeys God, you just get good at looking obedient in the right settings. 
You get good at looking obedient in the right settings. I'm on social media. Everybody knows I love social media. I don't understand why people don't love social media. You got a message. Where else could you get it out for free except for social media? But I have noticed some of y'all, because I follow you in a lot of venues, that on Facebook where it's a lot of older people and people who go to church with you, you is saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled. You is baptized with fire with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You give us a morning scripture to start the day. Joshua said to walk with the Lord and have good success. Glory to God. Baby, I roll over there on your Snapchat. On your Snapchat. Baby, on your Snapchat. Now listen, you start letting me know where you're going if I start following your Instagram a little bit. Because on your Facebook, you live for the Lord. Because you know your pastor's on Facebook, right? And so you like, I can't say my mom on Facebook, my grandma on Facebook. Then on Instagram, you you know, your grandma ain't on Instagram. So on, on, on Instagram, you got the booty pic, all right? On, on, on Facebook, you got the front pic like this, right? Right? On Facebook, you got the front pic. Yes, pray, yes praise the Lord, yes. I'm out here at this party, but I don't turn up. I'm just out here with my friends. Yes, uh-huh. Because I still represent Jesus everywhere I go. On Instagram, your picture like this. Just giving them a little hip action, a little hip action. Babe, we go to um, Snapchat. You looking back at it. You look at, at Snapchat, I want you to see it. At Snapchat, you, and, I, and for everybody who do a booty pic, I want you to know as crazy as I look, that's how crazy you look. And I know you think you look sexy, but you don't. You look a mess. That's for free for all of the 20-something booty pic. And then you know what? I've seen some 40 people with the booty pic, and I'm like, girl, you know your booty is too big to turn it around like that for somebody. I said all that to say, I want to make you laugh a lot because obedience is a serious subject. And if I start digging around in your life too much, then you'll close me off. But I want you to understand that most of you have just learned to be obedient in the right settings. And you've never made a decision to be the same no matter where you are. And so then who you are is based on where you are. So with us, you blessed and highly favored. At work, you the gossip. With your friends, you turned up. And that's because you haven't made a decision to be a person who's obedient. One of the things I really appreciate about being married to Pastor Edwin is that we have always just been this way that whoever we are, that's who we are. So, like, if you came over our house and we was arguing, we don't stop arguing because you came. <laughs> now, I know you think that we should have more sense than that, but why would you came to our house and we in the middle of deciding something? And we are not finna be like, Hey, how y'all doing? Come on. We like, hey, hold on. We got something we got to take care of. And in fact, we like, wait a minute. Let me tell you what happened. What y'all think about this? <laughs> but some of you, you're not going to like this word, but because you haven't made a decision to be obedient, you really are two-faced. You really are double-minded. You got a lot of multiple personalities that you've never integrated into one. Whoever I am, I'm going to be that no matter what. That's why you take me to the club, to Walmart, to the president. I'm going to say the same thing. But some of you, because you've never made this decision to be obedient, you have all these fragmented pieces. And you good people. Tell your neighbor, touch him, touch him, say, she's not saying you're not a good person. <laughs> say, but she is saying, you got some work to do. 
just give a few more examples. You know, people who are rude to their spouse and their kids, but at work everybody think you're nice. I mean, you're so polite at work and you're so helpful at work and you're such a solution provider at work and at home you're such a jerk. Oh, that's not because you're more comfortable with your family. That's because you learn selective obedience, and if you are a jerk at work, you're going to get fired. Okay, all right. Let's see. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You're going to need your Bibles today. We're going to use a lot of Scripture today. Tell your neighbor, say, obedience matters. Obedience matters. That's why we've always tried to teach our kids the Holy Spirit tells you things to keep you safe. And can I submit some of this to you? That some of you, if you don't start teaching your kids to hear the Lord from themselves, you're going to be disappointed when they're not in your sight. Because what you're going to find out is that their obedience is as, is as selective as yours. And it was very important for me to teach my kids to hear from God because I know what I did with my grandma one around growing up. I knew the choices that I made because a lot of times she told me what to do, but she didn't tell me why to do it. She told me what not to do. She didn't tell me why not to do it. And so it's easy to tell your kids just because I said so. The problem is, is that at some point, just because I said so is not a good enough answer. And, and the truth of it is, is that just because you said so is really proof that you don't know why you said it. We've taught our kids to trust us because they know that we're hearing God from them. Our kids know that if we tell them not to go to a party, we got an unction from the Holy Ghost. They should not be in that space. And we've given them the opportunity to practice that. And there are times that they're about to go somewhere and they come back and they go, no, I think I'm going to hang on out here. And more than anything, that's what you want your kids to be able to make those kind of decisions. You want your kids to be able to decide that somebody isn't for them before they're taking them all through the valley. But how can they decide that when you still got people taking you through the valley? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. That was Romans 12 and 2. Let's, let's move on. Romans, we actually go start with. Some of y'all not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you, almost anything you can find in your kids is in you too. Almost anything you can find in your kids is in you. And in truth, the more you see it in you, it is probably an indication to how undisciplined it is in you. Because they're just manifesting you. All right. Romans 12, 1. Y'all ready? It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That who presents? Who? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your? It's your what? No, no, say that louder. It's your what? You know what reasonable mean? It means see work. It means the least you can do is present your body as a living sacrifice. And here's how disobedient we are as a society, right? We're so disobedient as a society that we have to clap for people for doing their reasonable service. We are literally so disobedient as a society that we have to clap for people for doing what's reasonable. Ooh, you went to work every day? Ooh, let me give you an award. What? And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be recognized for exemplary work. I'm saying that we shouldn't call reasonable exemplary. 
Like, if you take care of your family, reasonable. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take care of your family. Tell your neighbor, say, you are supposed to. Take care of your family. That's what you're supposed to do. We got to throw a party for you because you took care of your family. You need a party? Oh, you need a donut because you worked out five days. No, because I really want you to see just how disobedient we are as a culture in our thinking. You haven't worked out in a year. You decide to eat right. You eat right for six days and now you need a cheat day. Your last year was a cheat. Because we've learned to be undisciplined because our flesh is naturally disobedient. Our flesh is naturally disobedient. What's the first word most kids learn how to say? No. When they about two, what they start saying, mine, everything, mine. It ain't even yours, mine. They at other kids' house talking about mine. No, it's not yours. So by nature, we want the one thing we're not supposed to touch, and we like being disobedient. But the Bible says we're in this world and not of this world. So that's why it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind is bigger than this concept of I don't curse. Whether cursing is sin is debatable or not. Oh, they like, wait, hold on. Because when the Bible says don't curse, it didn't mean don't use profanity. It meant don't put a curse on people with your words. So you don't curse, but you tell your kids they're a failure. And so you're excited about the fact that you don't use profanity. So when you go in the barbershop and they're using profanity, you're like, oh, my God, I can't even take it. I can't even take all this cursing. I can't watch this movie. It's so much cursing. I can't listen to this music. It's cursing, cursing everywhere. But you cursing every day, speaking death over your company, over your family, over your body, over the economy. But you are so excited because you don't say four-letter words. Clap for yourself. Go ahead. Clap for yourself. Yay. You're so amazing. Yes. So it says, present your body. You present. You present. That's why you don't need anybody to help you work out. You present your body. People be like, will you text me when I'm going to work out? When you're going to work out? Nope. I'm not texting you when I'm going to work out. Number one, I don't always work out at the same time. Number two, I don't want to work out in the gym with nobody who needed me to text them to be there. Because you go get on my nerves. Because you really just want to talk about scripture and all kinds of stuff. I don't come to the gym for none of that. I listen to trap music while I work out. I'm not listening to no Kirk Franklin, no Byron Cage. They move too slow for what I'm trying to do. So who are you as a person? Are you obedient? That's the first question I want you to ask yourself. Are you obedient? I'm not talking about the stuff we see. <laughs> Let me tell you a funny story about being in the gym. Listen, so I was in the gym, and so people ask me to pray for them all the time in the gym, but they, they don't know what I be listening to before they ask me to pray. 
But I just be like, <laughs> but my prayers still work regardless. Anyway, I was in gym. I was listening to Beyonce, you know, the one middle fingers up. I looked in the mirror. I was on treadmill. I looked in the mirror. I was throwing my middle fingers up. I was like, Lord, okay. <laughs> then I did go listen to Byron Cage because I was like, girl, you doing too much up in here now. <laughs> But that's how I was talking to my fat. That's why I was singing. I was like, you got to go. Judge me. I don't care. Um, so it says you have to present your body as a living sacrifice. That's your reasonable service. You have to close your own mouth. Lord, if you don't want me to be angry no more, just take this anger from me. He already did on the cross. Cross is done deal. You angry now because you like it. I, when my kids be like, something, they can't have made me mad. No, you chose mad. Nobody makes you mad. You choose mad. The people on my job, they make, no, 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 you choose it. Maybe other people don't, but you a believer filled with the Holy Ghost. And you mean the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead can't stop you from getting mad? Oh, okay. All right. And then it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to change your mind to change your life. You have to change your mind to change your life. And the challenge for a lot of you, if I could be honest with you, is that you don't really hear a bunch of word except when you're in church. And I know you do them cute little devotionals on the Bible study app, but that's really one scripture. In fact, most of you won't do, even do the ones that's long and got like seven scriptures because that's too many for you to read. Literally, the story that you read is longer than the scripture. And I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. I'm just saying that when people are trying to transform their lives, they saturate into whatever they're trying to transform. Right? You ever met anybody who's serious about fitness? People who are serious about fitness, that's all they talk about. They're not trying to wear you out with it. It's all they're thinking about. And because it's all they're thinking about, it's all they're talking about. Because they're trying to undo bad habits. So people who are in love, what do they talk about? Love. It ain't nothing like somebody newly in love to show you whether you really love your spouse or not. Because, babe, people new in love, just everything, they be like, ooh, that carpet, it remind me of Joe. Because oh. one day Joe had on a shirt with some green and black in it. <laughs> you, been, you ain't thought about your spouse all day <laughs> since you left home. So you have to transform your thinking. You have to saturate your thinking in whatever it is that God has for you. So um, let's look at um, Galatians, I mean Ephesians 2. We're going to start at verse 10. You learn anything? I actually learned that trick from Pastor Edwin about how to get people to laugh, to talk to them about really hard subjects, because I didn't used to do that. I used to just be like, listen here, your life raggedy, and if you don't change, <laughs> your whole life is raggedy. And, and then he was like, you know, if you try a little humor, the people will come with you. I'm like, well, somebody ought to tell them that their life is raggedy. He's like, you can tell them, but can you make them laugh and use some examples? I'm like, yes. And then if that doesn't work, can I tell them their life is raggedy? He's like, if that doesn't work, you can tell them their life is raggedy. And the truth of it is, is that I love you, but some of you, the reason your life stays the same is because nobody can tell you that your life is raggedy. I don't know why I'm in this situation. Well, let me count the ways. Because standing over here, I, I don't even go home with you and standing over here, I can see why you're in this situation. 
You don't have no money, but you was at the mall. I saw you. You told me the sale was happening. How do you, how do broke people know it's a sale? You ain't got no business knowing it's a sale. You should be like a what? I don't know about that. How you, how, how you don't know when your study session is in college, but you know when the party is? Then talking about, Pastor, can you pray for me? I got this midterm coming up, and I just believe in God for something supernatural. Well, the supernatural is that you might be able to get in the NWAC if you flunk out, because if you don't do better, you ain't going to be at the U of A. That's, re- That's real talk. I'm working on my summer body. But you eating cake five days a week. How's, what kind of summer? What? What? Which one? What? What's your vision of a summer body? It's so funny. She won't care because she she a pastor's kid. She used to be an example. But Tay used to always be sending me these pictures, telling me how she was gonna look like Serena. And then we would go out to eat, and then her dad would get a double pounder with extra fries and stuff, and she would get the same thing and a big drink. And I'd be like, "Girl, I bet you Serena ain't eating that right now." And then she say, it's okay, I'm going to make it up later. And then what she had to find is that if she really wanted to change her body, she had to do the work. So if you really want to change your life, if you really want to change your marriage, if you really want to change your money, if you really want to change whatever it is about your life, you actually have to do the work. And a lot of people want a better life, but what you're not disciplined enough and obedient enough to do is to do the things that it takes to actually get it. So then you end up frustrated. I don't understand why I don't never get no breakthrough because you don't never break through. That's why you don't get the breakthrough. All right. The truth of it is, is that most of us in at least one area want to see how much we can get away with and still get the results. We won't know how. We like, hear the line. How much can I get away with? And people who live like that always almost end up over the line. So let's look at Ephesians 2. We're going to start with verse 10. And it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in. The point I want you to take from this is that you have been recreated in Christ. You were created first in God. Because of your sin nature, you needed to be recreated in Christ for good works. I think I want to own a strip club. What part of good works is that? I think I want a spouse and a boo. What part of good works is that? How's that going to work for you? And challenge for a lot of people is that they don't ever think, if I do this, where is it going to take me? People think about how good something feels in the moment. But how, how's it going to take you? It says, but God has already created you for good works. Say, I am, I am created, created for, good works. for good works. So part of obedience is asking yourself, is this a good work? It's so funny, like when you drive down the highway, how many people litter? Like the sign is clear. Don't litter. What most people see are the police around. You see the police? Litter. Because that really is what the flesh nature looks like. Is God around? Can he see? Is my mama here? Is my boss here? Well, let's do it. 
And so we want to train ourselves to be disciplined, all right? It says, remember, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, but it says, remember, there was a time when basically you couldn't have obeyed God if you wanted to because you didn't have the God nature. So even when you tried to obey God, it just ended in failure because in, before Jesus came, the Bible said that in order to fulfill the law, you had to keep all of them. Well, nobody can keep all of the law. So even when people were doing their best, it wasn't enough. So then Jesus comes and he says, hey, let me help you out. I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to break the thing in your flesh that keeps you from being able to obey me. And I'm going to position you to obey me. So believers have an advantage in obedience. Say, I have an advantage in my obedience. Jesus gave it to me. So if I don't think about what God is asking me to do in that standpoint, I already have an advantage. I already have an advantage. Why do I have an advantage? I have an advantage because Jesus has already given me the advantage. So yes, my flesh may be crying and screaming about this choice to be obedient, but God has already given me everything I need to be obedient. To be obedient, you must be disciplined. To be obedient, you must be disciplined. Say, to be obedient, I must be disciplined. Y'all think I'm joking. I say this almost every time I preach. Like, pretty much every week is somebody I could go off on. Like, really? I could just, if somebody say something, I'd be like, ooh, I could get them. But I made a commitment to the Lord. I wasn't going to be running around just get people. Some of you have never made a commitment to the Lord that you don't cuss people out. Now, you don't cuss your boss out, but you still cuss your spouse out. You never made a decision that you're not going to give people in your family the silent treatment when they don't do what you want them to do. And because you never made a decision to do it, that's why you think it's okay to do it when you get upset. But the Bible says my life is not my own. So because my life is not my own, I don't get to do what I want to do. Well, technically, you can do whatever you want to do. Here's the connection I want to make for you. You can do whatever you want to do. You just cannot have God's best life doing whatever you want to do. You can do, because you know I got enough, because if I say that, then you'll be over here at the tree. You can have all of this. But if you don't do it God's way, you're going to end up just like Adam outside of the promised land, outside of the garden because of your own disobedience. That's why throughout the Bible he says over and over again, he says, hey, today I said before you what? Life and death. And then he comes back and he says, if you don't know which one to choose, choose there's a way that seems right unto man, but it ends in destruction. So if you don't know which way to go, go the way I said go. Right? It's real, real simple. Have you ever watched your kids do something and you know it's going to be a failure? Like you watch, I'm not necessarily talking about something big. It could be like cooking something. Like I, like I watch my kids cook and I'm like, that's just not going to work. No, mom, I got it. Oh, okay. I got, I got it. Mom, this nasty. Right, because you know, here's the thing. Those two things didn't even go together. That's why I'm not even sure why you mixed them up like that. They didn't go together. And so ask yourself, how many times in your own life is God telling you to do something, and instead of doing what he told you to do, you try to find the shortcut? Because some of you sitting here like, when I get out of here, I'm going to talk to my kids. Talk to yourself. 
Talk to yourself first and then let your kids see you modeling obedience to the Lord. Sometimes your kids, my kids have heard me say, I will whoop you, but the Lord told me not to. You better thank the Lord because I was going to get that behind. But the Lord has mercy and grace on you today. And I'm going to tell you, you better go to your room because if I keep thinking about it, I might disobey the Lord. Now you better go on somewhere. But for real, as a parent. Do you even ask the Lord how you should discipline your child, or do you just do what you feel like doing? This, I feel like this deserves a timeout. Did you ask the Lord, hey, what's going on? What should I do? Somebody act crazy on your job. Do you ask the Lord why they're acting crazy, and if there's anything you can do to assist with it, you just like, they the devil, and I don't fool with them. They're a hater. Aren't you supposed to be light and darkness? You know where I learned my most discipline? Athletic events. Baby, you want to know how disciplined or undisciplined you are? Let your kid play a sport. Let your kid, baby, if you, you don't, you, you don't, you think you discipline and live for the Lord until your kid play a sport. We were pastor of church. We love the Lord. We've been pastoring church for 17 years somewhere. I was sitting in a gym on a Sunday with Tay and Edwin, somebody else was preaching, and this guy told his daughter to hit Tay in the face. Me and Strick came unglued. We was like, we, I, no, really, we're pastors. We in the gym talking about, I hope she do. I wish she would, because if she hit her in the face, hit her in the face, hit her in the face. I was going to windmill him. I was going to fight him with everything. <laughs> we passed her sitting there saying, this what happened. If, he hit her in the, if, they, if she hit her in the face, you dumping my stumping. <laughs> because I had never made a decision that I wouldn't act out over my kids, over sports. I'm still working on that decision. It's not fully cemented. Um, it's a lot better, but I'm still working on it. What decisions have you made? Who are you? Have you decided that you go tithe even when it look tight? Because if you just tithing out your overflow, best believe the devil going to make sure you don't have some overflow to test that decision. Have you decided to be faithful? I know you decided to be married, but did you decide to be faithful because they're two different decisions? I know you think they should be the same decision, but they're not the same decision. Did you decide to be married and faithful? All right, so obedience matters. You're created for good works. Now let's go over here to Romans 8. Say, I am obedient. obedient. Say, "I I choose obedience. Even... When it doesn't feel good. Tell your neighbor, say obedience does not always feel good. Just like if you're really working out, it don't always feel good. What happens is you just get you just get sadistic enough, you start liking the pain. The pain don't go away. You just start liking the pain. You just be like, you start being like, my thigh is supposed to hurt. They supposed to hurt. If they didn't hurt, I didn't do the right thing. 
So have, who, who have you made a decision to be? Are you, are, are you church obedient? Are you home obedient? Do you have a lot of borderline stuff that if they pull the screen back, we can see all of this borderline stuff? Some of you, your problem isn't men and women, but your problem is money. Are you a person of integrity? Do you steal when you get a chance? If we put you in a hotel room, are you going to take some stuff that they didn't intend for you to take? You wrapping up stuff in a towel? The towels don't belong to you. You just supposed to borrow the towels for when you're there. But we come to your house, you got Holiday Inn towels, Marriott towels. <laughs> in your house. We go to your house, you don't buy ketchup, because when you go to McDonald's, you take a big old 12. You take 12 of them every time you go, so you don't have to buy ketchup. Like, you don't realize those are issues of integrity. Those are issues of integrity. What you got in your house? What you got? We start making pastor wellness checks. Excuse, excuse me. Can I, see, can I see your cabinets? Can I see? Let me see what you got up over here. Don't you, don't you work for Walmart? Why you got a thousand of their pens here? You just took four boxes of the pens? Don't nobody live here but you. Those are things to think about. All right, now let's go to Romans 8. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I think this is a very important scripture. I wish we had it on the board today. I think you should see this. It says, it doesn't say that there is no condemnation for them that walk after Christ Jesus, period. It says, even if you're in Christ Jesus and you walk after the flesh, you're going to be condemned. So it says, so it's letting us know that in Christ, you can be saved and be a spirit walker and you can be saved and be a flesh walker and you can be saved and be weaving in and out of the two depending on the situation. So I got a lot of integrity when it comes to my money. I got, here we go. Church people, because people always talk about how church people so mean, right? So I tithe, but I don't speak to new people when they sit beside me at church. Because I don't know you. I ain't speak to you. I mean, you walk right past me, but I ain't speak to you. I know you ain't never been here before because I can look around the room and I know all the people who've been here before, but I don't care. I don't speak to you. So I can be in and out of the spirit in any moment, in any hour. You ever had your mind as old people say, stayed on Jesus and then something happened and then you found yourself all the way over here? You was like, I love the Lord. He is everything in my life. You're like, what? What just happened here, right? Because you have to discipline your flesh to stay anchored. To me, learning how to walk in the spirit is a lot like being an athlete. And one of the things that we know about athletes, particularly if we're talking about basketball, if we're talking about football, is that when you run an offense, when you run an offense, the offense is contingent on everybody being where they are supposed to be, right? And the discipline comes to not abandon the commitment to where you're supposed to be, even when it doesn't may seem to make sense for you to get there. I used to ask this all the time when somebody's playing football. I'd be like, why they run up the middle like that? And we'll say, because it's supposed to be a hole. If everybody does what they're supposed to do, it's supposed to be a hole. What you don't understand is that your obedience, it positions you for the holes that God has created for you. Your, your obedience, it positions you for the holes. 
And your, your, your obedience positions you so that if you get to the right point, you got an easy layup. You now when we play basketball, you got to work the ball, 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 work the ball. Why? You're working the ball because your hope is that the defense is going to get undisciplined. If the defense gets undisciplined, what was hard is going to become easy. God has designed your life to run the plays so that when the devil looks away, you make the easy shots. But not if you do your own thing. And you always got that one superstar with a bunch of skill who out there like, I ain't doing what the coach say. When I get in, I'm just going to shoot it. And sometimes it works. But you know when it typically only works? It typically only works when the opponent is not as good. Well, I just want to hip you to this. The devil been being the devil a lot longer than you been to being alive. So he's much more skillful at manipulating you than you ever are at manipulating him. So the best thing you could do is run the play that God has for you. Obedience is just running the play. Obedience is just running the play. This is the play that we run, and this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And as a parent, let me tell you what really vexes me, because I'm a lot like Jesus on this. When Jesus told them they was going to the other side, and then the storm came, and then the kids start, the, the disciples and the kids and the people who go to church start acting like Jesus had didn't know that they was going to the other side. When you tell your kids, you'll be like, meet me here. And they're like, Mama, you still coming? What? 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 You see, Tasha said, what did I say? I said, I did not say Caleb had to go out of town um, for a debate tournament. He texted me talking about, uh, Mom, don't forget I need some money for the trip. I said, because all them other trips we sent you on with no money? Because now we so crazy that we don't know that you need money? Now, as a parent, that vexes you when your kids do something like that. If you're supervising somebody and you tell them to do an assignment a certain way and they don't do it that way, it vexes you. But how many times has God called you in the huddle and said, here's the play? Here we go. When you go to work and they say something, you don't do nothing but smile and be nice. That's the play you're supposed to run. That's the play. Tell your neighbor, say, that's the play. Run the play. And then she come in and say something, you don't went off. He said, hey, come back, come back. Here's the play. I don't care what they do. Smile and be nice. Run the play. That's how you get manifestation. You run the play. Run the play. This ain't deep. This is a champion's church. You knew it was going to be some analogies about sport in here. Run the darn play. I want to be married, and I want to live happily ever after. Why do you keep dating people that you can't live happily ever after with? You can't even date for two weeks in life. Why would you still be dating them? You don't want to be in no relationship with them? So you got to think about what you're doing. All right. It says there is no condemnation, but I got to walk in the spirit, right? And it says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law may be filled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the play for believers is to stay in the spirit. 
There is no victory in your flesh. That's why you got to hear from God. Do you know it's a lot of people with a lot of good plans, but they're not for you? That's why you got to hear God. That's why when you're sitting down and you're like, okay, even something as simple as this, let's take something really basic. I want to lose weight, okay? What's the plan for you? Because the plan for you and the plan for somebody who don't have a body type like yours isn't the same plan. And so you over there trying to do what they do all stressed out because it's working for them, but it's not working for you. What's your plan? Do you even stop to think that God knows your body better than all the experts? And that it's a million plans out here to lose, and all you got to do is find the one, but did you even ask the person who made your body, are you constantly looking at other people trying to get the solution? Those are the things. You need to change your money. There are a lot of ways to change your money. Tell your neighbor, say, there's a lot of ways to change your money. It's a lot of ways to change your money, but what's the plan for you? So Pastor Ellen said this a couple of weeks ago, because we've committed to be tithers, we don't listen to any plan that tells us that we can speed up anything by not tithing. It's not a plan for us because we already got a first plan. So whatever plan you give us has to work with the first plan. What's your first plan? What did God say? And I say this all the time. This is this the truth. Here's how you ought to live your whole life right here if you don't take nothing away from this. What did God say? Let's practice. Everybody say it. What did God say? We want to move. What did God say? We want a new house. What did God say? I'm believing God for a promotion and there's a job. This person seems like a a nice person to date. You, you could simplify your whole life with four words. What did God say? You're over here going through trials and tribulations all up over the mountain, having to be snatched and rescued. We done had to send search and rescue for you. When all you had to do was just ask, what did God say? You're going to marry somebody and you don't know whether God told you to be with them or not? You're going to take a job and you don't know whether God wants you there or not? But it's the money, but you don't know whether God wants you there or not? You need a new car, but you don't know if this is the dealership that you're supposed to be at? Everything that shows up isn't for you. Every good thing that shows up isn't for you. That's why you got to know your own assignment, your own lane, what you're supposed to be doing so you can stay focused on what God said. People bring me opportunities all the time. Most of them aren't for me. I only know they're not for me because I already know what God said. If you don't already know what God said, then anytime somebody presents, listen, and I'm not just talking about bad people. I have literally been in churches where people got married because somebody said, um, ma'am, stand up. I feel the spirit of the Lord saying that this man over here, your husband, and he got a wife over here, but it don't matter. And then next thing you know, they together. Like you can't even be so immature in your belief that you take my word for what God said over what God told you. But if you haven't disciplined yourself to hear what God said, how do you even know? 
The best thing a believer has is the right to hear God's voice. You have a blood-bought right to hear God's voice. I know you hear God's voice because the only way you could even get saved is that you heard God's voice. You have a right to hear God's voice. You know, every time you heard that little voice and you said something told me, it wasn't something. It was the Holy Spirit. But if you don't practice obeying the voice, you know how you practice? So just, I'm just going to give you some how I learned how to hear from God, how I learned how to walk with God. I would, get, I, would get, I, would take, I would be getting ready to go to the store. I would get to the end of the street, and I would say, which way should I go to Walmart? And I would listen, and I would go which way I thought I should go. And sometimes it was the same way, and sometimes it wasn't the same way. And what most of you think is that, that's, that you think that's silly. Except the problem is, is that sometimes when you're getting ready to get on 49 in the morning, you wouldn't be so stressed if you heard the Lord when he said, go ahead and stop right here first and get gas now. Because if you get gas now, you're going to be in front of the accident. I say, God, which way should I go to the store? I get to Walmart, I say, which side should I park on? Which cashier should I use? Not because I necessarily thought God cared about the finite details like that, because I understood if I could hear God about the small, I could hear him about the big. And some of you, the reason that you don't know whether you should work or not is because you don't even recognize him when he say go left and go right. So practice hearing God. Practice hearing God. Every single day. Jesus said this all the time. He said, I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. I'm only moving based off what God told me. There are opportunities that come. I got an invitation this year to speak on a cruise. And I initially said yes, because it was a cruise, right? And as soon as I said yes, the Lord said, don't go on that cruise. Baby, listen, ma'am, I don't know what to, I am sorry to inform you. I cannot go on this cruise. Why not? The Lord told me not to. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know who's not going to be there? Because I'm going to be at this house. But for real, do you live your life like that? This year, Chase, next year for spring break, Chase is going on a, um, a, a trip to London with Kenosha. This is what Kenosha told me when she asked me, could Chase go? She said, what I promise you is that if we get ready to make any move and God tell us not to do it, we ain't doing it. I don't care what we miss. All right, he can go with you. But ask yourself, if you was getting ready to go on a trip of your lifetime, and when you got ready to get on the plane, something that you said, don't get on that plane, would you hear it or would you push it down and go, I'm, you just tripping? And some of you say you would, and I hope you would, but you've dated people with the same thing. In the first instance, you met somebody, and something in you said, don't fool with them. And then they was nice, and then they was sweet, and then they sent you a Starbucks gift card and text you in the morning and snapped you first and snapped you last. And then you all talking about, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe we can make something work out of this. <laughs> You'll be getting ready to say something. You will be getting ready to say something, and the Holy Spirit will say, don't say that. Mm. Do you do it? 
They like, move on, pastor. We don't want to talk about this no more. Okay, great. All right, all right. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody wants to be a superstar, but nobody wants to train. Everybody want to be best in class, but don't nobody want to train. Obedience is your training. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm going to give you these steps. So several years ago, when we only had three kids, we had Chase, Taylor, and Caleb. Our good friends, the Crockett's, I had a dream. Here's what happened in dream. I dreamed that we were in the mountains. We had gone on, on this trip in the cabin, and we had gone to bed, and when we woke up, all of the kids were gone. So in the first part of the dream, we're arguing about who didn't lock the door, all of this different stuff, and then we decide we should go look for the kids. We call in the park ranger, everything we can do, and we finally find the kids, and the kids are in a grave, and they're dead. In the dream, the Lord says, go back, do it again. We go back in the dream. I back up, same dream again. We get there, and this time the grave isn't covered, but they're still dead. The Lord says, go back, do it again. I go back, I do it again. This time we get there, and they're not all dead. He says, go back, do it again. In my dream, I keep going back and back and back and back until I get to the point that they never get snatched. When I wake up, this is what the Lord says to me. He said, in your dream, you got a chance to do a do-over. In life, you don't always get a do-over. He said, every time I tell you something, I don't have time to debate with you about why I'm telling you to do it. That dream changed my life. It changed my life. Because every time in your life, you don't get a chance for a do-over. And there's some opportunities and some things, and, and all of them aren't necessarily tragic, but some of them is sometimes not. You're not in where you should be to get the thing that you prayed for because if you're tired and you don't want to go to the meeting that the Lord told you to go to, and so you're tired and you end up staying home, and you don't even realize that the very person you've been praying for, God prepared them, sent them there to be there for you, and you don't show up because you're tired. You don't always get a chance for a do-over. That's why I don't have any pause in me if somebody want to take my kids somewhere and I don't feel good about it. That ain't nothing personal against you, but I'm responsible for them. I'm responsible for them. That's why I don't feel bad about asking you who at your house. That's why I don't feel bad about texting my kids and be like, do you feel comfortable? Are you cool? Because I will come and get you. I will kick their door in to come and get you, so they should send you out willingly. <laughs> but ask yourself, are you that disciplined in your obedience? And, and most people are like, yes, for my kids, but for your own life. For your own life, the Lord say, don't eat that. The Lord say, don't take that job. I literally, I would say, I have coached so many women in the last 18 months who have developed chronic illness because they took jobs that they shouldn't be in. And then I watched them lead the jobs, and then all the symptoms go away. Don't make yourself sick at a job God never told you to be at. But what about the money? But you understand that if you handled your money the way God told you to, you wouldn't be in a situation like that? 
So then you can repent and say, okay, God, what do I need to do about my money so I'm never in a situation where I got to work a job that will make me sick? Tell your neighbor, say, obedience matters. All right, let's give, let me give you these five things that, have, that are benefits of obedience. You should start confessing about yourself. You should start saying, I love to obey God. I love to obey God. My life has been spared so many times simply because I obey God. Years, years, years ago, when we first started the church, we was in our early 20s, and there was a snowstorm coming in northwest Arkansas. And we had about 17 college students who all lived in central Arkansas and beyond. And they was trying to get on the road for that trip. And we said, guys, don't leave. You're not going to beat that storm. The weatherman said they was going to beat the storm. But the Lord had told us they weren't going to beat the storm. Them suckers got to Russellville. Some of them spent a night on the road because they shut the highway down. Because it was so important to them, they had to get home for Christmas. And then the people who stayed, you know what they did? End up having to stop and help some of the people who stayed on the road this night before. Because when God tells you, that's why you got to change your view on God. When God tells you something, it's always for you. When God tells you not to date somebody, it's, cause, it's not because he don't want you to have love. It's because he know that ain't it. If God tells you not to take a job, it's not because he doesn't want you to have promotion. It's because he knows that's not it. And that's why obedience matters. Say this. Say, I cannot compare my journey to other people's. So literally, there may be things that other people have the liberty to do that you don't. That you don't get to touch that. I don't think drinking is a sin. The Bible is clear. But I don't drink because the Lord told me not to. So I don't care how many presentations you give me about how drinking not a sin. I don't drink because the Lord told me not to. Now I don't know why he told me not to, but it don't matter because he told me not to, so I don't drink. Are you that dedicated to obeying God that if God tells you no and everybody else is saying yes, what are you going to do? And in truth, that's all your mamas was trying to say when she said, if they jump off a bridge or you go jump too, that's all she was trying to get you to do. She, all she was trying to do was get you to focus on that hurt that she didn't know the assignment for other people, but she did know you. All right. Five benefits of obedience. You ready? Number one, long life. Say being obedient. Will spare my life. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. My son, forget not my law, but let it let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life. And peace they add unto you. If you obey, you, you know this in the natural. Who live the best life? Obedient kids or disobedient kids? I mean, which, which one of your kids, if you got a kid who always break the rule and a kid who keep the rule and you want to bless somebody, who you want to bless? You want to bless the obedient one. And you may have had blessings for both of them. And that's why the Bible says, he says, there is a path 
I'm not going to override what you choose. I'm just telling you that if you get over here on this track, it's some consequences. If you get on this track, it's some consequences. Which consequences do you want? We say to our kids all the time, we like, don't lie to us. Because if you lie and you breach trust, then you just made the whole relationship complicated. And we would say to our kids when they were younger, we would say, listen, when you get in high school, you want to be able to move around the city freely. But if you lie now, you can't move freely. So what you do today sets you up for tomorrow. What you eat today is setting you up for tomorrow. What you drink today is setting you up for tomorrow. How well you rest today. Did, did you even got, ask God how much rest you need? That's why you got to know who your mentors are because you're building a business, right? Some of you building a business and you listen to people who like, we grind, we team no sleep. I am never team no sleep. That ain't the will of God for my life. I have already heard God clearly. I already know how I act when I don't get any sleep. I'm not about team no sleep. I ain't saying that God didn't say that to you. I'm saying all of y'all could get on team no sleep. And we could all be at your house. And when it was time to go to sleep, I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm not team no sleep. What team are you on? So your obedience will give you long life. Who wants to live a long life? When I was growing up, it was a young man had a car with T-tops in it. that let you know how old I am, T-tops. These young people don't even know what T-tops are. Y'all gonna have to show them a picture of what T-tops are. His mama used to tell him all the time, do not ride with those T-tops off without your seatbelt on. When he was 17, he was thrown from that car and he died. Sometimes you don't get a do-over. That's, that's, how, that's how much obedience matters. And nobody likes to talk about that part because it seems so morbid. But how many people have got their life cut off? How many people have literally got their, how many women have literally died because they dated somebody they shouldn't date? I mean, some, it's a, things a lot worse than a broken heart. You're like, I don't want my heart broken. No, I don't want to die. <laughs> Tormented because you dated somebody you never should have dated. There are literally people who got their destiny cut off because they were disobedient. And then we feel sorry for them, but we're going to still bury you and feel sorry for you. We're like, well, man, that, so, that sucks. And I remember at that young man's funeral, his mother stood up and she was boohooing. And she said, listen to your parents. He was her only child, dead at 17, because he wouldn't follow a simple instruction. Everybody like, ooh, this is a solemn sir. But yeah, obedience does matter like that. It could be the difference between life and Death. We don't always like to talk about the death part. You know, we like to talk about death like bad credit, broken heart, losing your job. But it's some death. So it'll give you a long life. Number two, it will give you favor and a good name. Obedience will give you favor and a good name. 
Proverbs 3 and 4, it says, So shalt thou found favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. In the Amplified, it says, So shall you find favor and good understanding and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Everybody want to have a, well, everybody ought to want to have a good name. If you're a believer, you ought to want to have a good name. You ought to want to have a good name at work, in your community, with people you date. We shouldn't talk to nobody you used to date. They be, they be, Pastor, they lie about everything. Every time they talk, they lie. You don't want people saying that about you. I work with so-and-so. Um, they don't never do no work. They always complain. They always messing up the projects. You ought to want to have a good name. Tell your neighbor, say, your name matters. I know a lot of talented people I wouldn't work with. I know a lot of people who have conferences. They invite me. I'm not going to your conference. They don't tell them what might happen. So I got invited to, to speak at this event, and they said that they didn't have any, um, they didn't have an honorarium to pay me. I don't always go. I go where the Lord tells me to go. Sometimes the Lord tells you to go even though they can't pay you. So I went, and they said they would take care of my airfare and my hotel. Right? King size bed, hotel. King size pretty much denotes you in the room by yourself, right? And I get there. And I get there, and they are trying to put me in the room with three women that I have never met. So they want five of us in a bedroom with two beds. I'm like, that's not, no, so I say, that's not what we agreed to. And they were like, things change. So now I start taking off my jacket. No, I'm just joking. I did. I did. I did. I thought about it though. I was like, I will fight y'all. Um, but I didn't. But this girl knew me. And she said, you can have my room. I'll take the room with my sister. She said, I watch you on social media, you good people. Obedience will give you a name that people will help you even when it shouldn't work out for you. But if you ain't got a good name, tell your neighbor, say, you want to have a good name. Protect your name. Protect your name. And I just want to say in this world of social media, I think it's always important to say it, and I notice we have a lot of young people in here. I want to tell you this. Nothing on social media goes away. You think it goes away? It doesn't go away. I want you to understand. The other day, somebody reached out to us about Chase Forest Scholarship. The first thing they asked us, give me his social media handles. We want to know what he says on social media. So you out on social media with your turn up, under 21, showing that you drink illegally. You literally could be cutting off the very opportunity that you're praying for because you lack integrity. You live in a state where weed is illegal, but you're dumb enough to tell us that you smoke weed. Four celebrating 420 day. You idiot. Oh, that's the part I'm not supposed to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Oh, okay. Yes, it's probably not a good idea to say that you smoke weed in a state that where weed is not legalized and where people drug test because they don't even have to waste any money on you because you already told us that you smoke weed. They look and they, they, they see who you follow, they see who follows you, and they see what you say. 
And just to be hip, for those of you who have that secondary social media account that you think people don't know about, most of the people who are looking assume if nothing's happening on your real social media that you have another one that they don't know about. Which goes back to my whole YouTube people. Okay, so favor and a good name. Number three. Number three. Number three. Number three. That goes down for your DM too. So while you sliding in somebody DM and you married, talking about hey big head, hey big head, hey big head. It's called screenshot. It's called screenshot. I mean, I'm not saying anybody's doing this, but people listen to this all across the world, so I just want to say it in case you don't know. You know you're sending pictures of your private parts. You'll be shamed if somebody sent it to your wife. You'll be shamed. And then we'll be praying for you. We'll know something happened because you come to church with a black eye, and then we know we believe in God. <laughs> I'm just saying, your name matters. And on social media, you have to protect your name. You can't say and do everything. Um, Caleb wants to be in politics. I say to Caleb all the time, at least once a week, I say, Caleb, don't do anything right now that they can vet you about later. See, I can't be a politician because didn't nobody tell me that. I don't just have dead bodies. I got live bodies still locked away. So, you know, I'm like, when people be like, do you want to run for office? No, thank you. Mm -mm, no, thank you. If I was going to run for office in the first press conference, I'd be like, well, let me tell y'all what I did do. Let's go ahead and get this out here. And since I don't ever want to talk about some of that stuff, I just won't run. But I'm saying if you know you want to be in politics, if you know you want to go high up in your company, and especially the, the climate that we live in now, we, uh, in case you haven't figured it out, we live in an exposure climate right now. Do you not see what's happening in me right now? they like, you, somebody, uh, John comes out and says, it is horrible the way Thomas touched women. Five women come out and say, John touched us too. We live in an exposure climate. So you should stop doing stuff that you care if you get exposed. Email, text message, Facebook, Instagram, whatever apps we don't know about that you know, all of that stuff. If we go out there, it can, it's, the, it's out there. So good name. Three. It goes well with you and your children. Deuteronomy 12 and 25. When you are obedient, it goes well with you and your children. How many people know somebody or have been impacted by a parent who didn't do what was right? When a parent doesn't do what's right, your children are impacted. Deuteronomy 12 and 25. 12 and 25. When you don't do right, your children are impacted. You have an affair, you divorce, you remarry, you may be cool, your kids not. You got kids all the time who be like, how come my daddy didn't want me? Because that kids don't understand the difference between those things. Everything you do has a consequence, consequence to your kids. And, and consequences don't have to be bad. Pastor Edwin said it last week. How many of you have ever had to fill out a FAFSA? Do y'all know what a FAFSA is? Y'all, It wasn't trick language, FAFSA, right? 
Anybody who's filled out a FAFSA now, if your kid or a neighborhood kid needs help with a FAFSA, what can you do? You can help them. When I was trying to fill out fast, my grandma was like, baby, I don't know nothing about this right here. We got to find somebody to help you. So understand that your decisions dictate what goes well with you and your children. And I want to tell you that if you have a parent who hasn't been a good parent, you ought to purpose in your heart not to duplicate that. If your daddy wasn't there for you, young men, the last thing you ought to be running around doing is making babies, not being there for your babies. Because you know what it's like not to have your daddy show up for you and you ought not ever. Women, if your daddy wasn't there for you, the last thing you ought to want to do is get pregnant by some no good, low down joker so your kid have to feel like you feel. Because your kids are impacted by that. And then we say, Mom, my kid's okay even if they raised by a single parent. Maybe they are okay, but it's not the best ideal situation. So obedience caused it to go well with us and our children. Does somebody have Deuteronomy 12 and 25 already? Boy, that ain't right. That's not right. Oh, no, that is right. My bad. <laughs> Just go past the semicolon. But he's talking about obedience, that thou shalt not eat it, that it may go well with thee and thy children after thee, when thou shalt do what is right in the sight of the Lord. My translation on my phone says something different. So when you make good choices, you teach your kids. Like, like I wish we had known earlier how important it was to make our kids eat better earlier. Because if your kids eat better earlier, they have a different palate for what it is that they want to eat. And it makes a difference. So what you do is setting your kids up. All right, two more. And then I'm actually going to give you a chance. If anybody has any questions about obedience, I'm going to give you a chance while we're doing the offering. Number four is that you will have peace with your enemies. Proverbs 16 and 7. He says, when a man's ways please God, he'll make even his enemies be at peace with him. I love that because sometimes people get so caught up battling with their enemies, you ought to just obey God. Proverbs 16 and 7. When a man's ways please God, he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. It ain't never really my business how God makes my enemies be at peace with me. I just want to be at peace. They can get saved. They can repent. They can be removed. It doesn't really matter to me. I just want my enemies to be at peace with me. He says, when a man's ways please God, God will raise up somebody to do for you what you can't do for yourself. He will intervene on your behalf. Number five, you will have good success. I love that because it says good success. Who wants good success? All success isn't good. To build a business and lose your family, that's not good. To have an amazing family and have terrible health, that's not good. He says, if you obey me, he says, you will have good success because I'll help you run the play. It was very task-oriented. I remember after we had, I think it was after we had had, we had a lot of kids, so I can't always remember which story the kid go with. Uh, it's, just, it's just the truth. If you got a lot of kids, it's just, I mean, sometimes you, be, you tell your kids it's a picture of them, you're not sure. You're not sure which kid it is. You hope it's a date on the back, and you like, I think this you. Yeah, go ahead. But um, no, 
it was after Jordan. I had a really, really rough day, and I had forgot to get um, one of the kids to a program. They was late to the program. Listen, I was so distraught. By the time I got to the program, I couldn't even go in the program. I was just sitting in the car crying. I was just like, this is too horrible. And he was at work, and the Lord said, you need to go home. You need to help your wife. We probably married today because he has this enough to come home. <laughs> the Lord will help you with your spouse. The Lord will be like, don't bring that up right now. Don't do it. Don't do it. You come in and your wife banging pots, you'll be like, baby, 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 get your stuff. We're going to go to dinner. Because today has obviously been a really, really bad day, and I need, I need you to relax. But, you, but you, you, when you don't have wisdom, you come and tell me, what you banging them pots for? Oh, yes. Oh, it's on and popping. Now she burned the food intentionally. Here you go. Spaghetti burnt all on the bottom. Here you go. Texas toast burnt too. Corn scorched. Here you go. But it'll give you good success. How many of you want good success? How many of you even pray about? I don't just mean when you pray about your spouse. You're praying about what you want them to do. Because that's how most people pray. Lord, make him more, more romantic. <laughs> Lord, help him buy me a better gift for Christmas. Lord, let him help with these children more, right? That's how people usually pray. But I'm saying where I really like, you know, okay, Lord, what is something I could do that could really be a blessing to my husband? Everybody got quiet. People was laughing before. What could I really do to be a blessing to my husband? What could I really do to be a blessing to my parents? What could I do to be a blessing in my office? Is there a way I could be a blessing at my kid's school? Is there something I need to stop doing? All right, so those are the five things. Now I'm going to give you these five things you can expect when you're in faith. We give them a lot, but they're really, really important. If you got any questions, think, in, think of them. Did you learn something today? What's the number one thing you learned today? Huh? Oh, yeah, there's a scripture for number five, Joshua 1. And Second Chronicles 26 and 5. And in, Josh, in Second Chronicles, it says, As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord caused him to prosper and have good success. 2 Chronicles 26 and 5 and Joshua 1. It says, meditate on this word so you can do it and have good success. So there are five things you can expect when you're in faith. Number one is a plan of action. When you are in faith, you can expect what? The second thing that you can expect when you're in faith is favor. What can you expect when you're in faith? The third thing you can expect is wisdom. What's the first three? The fourth one is a miracle. Or I like to say a supernatural occurrence because, you know, people get a little freaky about miracles sometimes. Supernatural occurrence. Supernatural help. Miracle. Whichever one works for you. And then fifth, strength to endure till change comes. Strength to endure till change comes. So I gave you guys an assignment last week. Does anybody remember the assignment I gave you last week? I came back up at the end. 
If you, was, if you wasn't here last week, I'm not talking to you. But if you was here, I'm talking to you. I came back up at the end, and I said, when you pray, here's how you ought to pray. Here's some things you ought to pray for. Who remembers that? Yes, Jen, what did I challenge you guys to do last week? Ask God some questions. Who asked God some questions and you got some clarity this week that you didn't have last week? Very good. So here we go. When I talked about this being a teaching ministry, if we give you instruction last week and you don't do the instruction this week, you go be behind for the next week. So here's the repeat assignment for the people who didn't do it last week. You need to ask God what God desires to do for you in 2018. So you know what to give your attention to. You need to know what to give your attention to. God may say to you in 2018, 2018 for you is all about building a strong family. If he says 2018 is all about building a strong family, then why would you take a job that's going to have you be away from your family? Now, that don't mean that he didn't tell somebody else to do that, but that's why you got to know what your assignment is in a season. What is God expecting me to do? If you're married, you should be talking about it. You should gather your kids. Hey, what do you, what, what you want to work on? What are your goals? What do you think God is saying to you? I'm trying to tell you practically how to take faith and make it be something that shows up in your life so it's not all out here in the abstract and the willy-nilly and nothing is happening in your life. God may say 2018 is the year that you go finally do what surgery told you to do in 2016 <laughs> and you go get out of debt. <laughs> Or you go get your credit score up. So if God says to you that 2018 is the year that you're going to get your credit score up, then you may make decisions differently than somebody who already got their credit score up because they did the assignment the year that it happened. Right? So what is God telling you to do in 2018? You know you can ask God how much money you should spend for Christmas. You can ask God whether you should go home, whether your folks should come to you, whether y'all should even see each other. Because some people don't like each other. You just shouldn't see each other on Christmas. You just all be stressed out, all angry and stuff. You should just say, you know what, this Christmas, we go chill. We just go have a good Christmas. We go FaceTime with y'all for 10 minutes, send y'all gifts on down there, and have us a good day. All right. So your assignment this week is to learn how to pray over the things that you're believing God for. So whatever God tells you, you now need to ask for a plan. What is my plan? A lot of believers got a lot of faith but no plan. You believe God. You really do. You just don't ask God, what should I do? So you decreeing and declaring that you're going to get a $10,000 check. You ain't done nothing that would qualify you for a $10,000 check, but you believe and you run into the mailbox every day. Yes, and I'm not saying it couldn't happen because all things are possible, but I'm saying that unless God told you to go to your mailbox and expect a check for $10,000 to make up this bill that you need to pay, you probably need to say, okay, God, while I'm believing God for the supernatural money that I don't know exactly when it's coming, what can I do in the natural? Right? All right, does anybody have any questions about obedience, about what you need to do to pray? You can get ready to give your offering at this time. Does anybody have any questions or thoughts about this, thoughts that are relevant to this?
people, this is, y'all so funny. Y'all act like this really is school. I look at people and they drop their head like I'm going to call. Like, <laughs> Do you have a question? Huh? It's how a lot of people learn. And we don't always give you the opportunity to ask questions, but if we do you should, and you have them, you should ask them because you never know who else has the same question. So when you're praying, so it, let, let's, let's just take an example, okay? Let's say that you are believing God for, give me, somebody give me something, a car. You believe in God for a car, right? So you begin to thank God for a car. Father, I thank you in advance for the car that you have already provided for me. Your family and y'all to have a confession. Every time you get in the car you have now, y'all say, Father, we thank you for our new car. We thank you that you are raising up people in positions to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We believe that we receive it in Jesus' name. Every time you get in your car. And the challenge, that's why I talked about how obedience and discipline go hand in hand, is that a problem with a lot of people is that you start on your confession, but you don't keep your confession if time don't move it fast. So you get up off of your confession because time. Because you don't know as you're making that confession. Well, really, it's not just spiritual. It's what it does to your brain. Anytime your brain recognizes here's where we're going, your brain starts looking for the opportunities. In fact, your brain is a lot like what you see happen on social media. Anybody ever gone to Amazon and searched for something and you go back to Facebook and now those ads are there? You don't like that, but that's because social because advertisers understand how your brain works. You went and looked for a trip to Mexico, now they want to put trips for Mexico in front of you. So when your family says, here's where we're going, here's where we're headed, then your brain starts looking for the opportunities. But that's why you got to hear God, because you might see a commercial that says you can go here and get this and blah, 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 and the Lord will be like, don't go over there with them, go here instead. Right? All right, it's our opportunity to give. We're excited about giving because something supernatural always happens when we give. Something supernatural. Like, really, that ought to be your faith expectation. Something supernatural always happens when I give. Because I'm a giver, I cannot be without. Because I am a giver, God always provides for me. You know that you can use the Push Pay app. The Push Pay app has become the new best friend of FOC. Yes, push pay is the new best friend of FOC. People give from all over the world because they can push the app on their phone. Technology changes things. So is everybody clear? How important is obedience? Who needs to be more obedient? Who's going to be more obedient? If you ask Jordan a question like that, because Jordan doesn't lie, right? So if you ask Jordan a question like that, she'll say, well, I should be, but. <laughs> I should be, but. um, But look here. So pray for Chris and Valley. They'll be coming um, back. They'll be start flying back. I think it's Tuesday. So if you ever wanted to go to Paris and you didn't get to go, just watch Chris stuff, you'll feel like he was there. You feel like you was there. <laughs> right. So we really want to encourage you. Um, thank the people who work with the kids in Victory Zone. If your kids are attending Victory Zone, 
make sure you're leaving with the assignment that your kid is supposed to have so you can actually work on it. Because if the teachers are teaching your kids like they're learning about trusting God right now, and then if you're not reinforcing that, then you can't expect your kids to learn how to trust God because they go back there for a little while, right? And you also know that because there's only one room back there, they're having to make the education for everybody, which means that the older kids need more, right? So you can take some of these pieces and break them down, right? And the younger kids may not always get it all because, the, because of how the class is set up. But it won't always be that way because one day we are going to have... We have decided we're not just going to have a building. We're going to have a building that produces income. Yes. Amen. Amen. We need our own hotel. Yes. Now, I mean, you really need to think about that. We're stretching what it is that we believe because think about it. If a church, if, if, a, if we own a hotel and we meet in the church, then the tithes and offerings can go for other things yes. because the people who spend the night here pay for the meeting space. But you got to shift in your perspective. How are we going to get there? We're going to get there because everybody's doing all the things the searcher keeps teaching. Everybody is getting out of debt. Everybody's getting their credit up. Everybody's actually saving money. Because the truth of it is, is that it's really hard for you to care where we meet when you don't know where you go stay next month. So let's take care of our stuff. All right? It's your time to give. Nobody has any questions? All right, good. That means y'all the fast class. Next week, when whoever come back and they ask you questions, don't look in your notebook to answer.